0: What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got another good one for you today as the Dubs are taking on the Portland Trailblazers in game two of the Western Conference Finals. What can the Trailblazers do? What adjustments can they make to deal with Steph and Clay a little better? Got an update on Kevin Durant and his injury. Jordan Bell doesn't want to go anywhere. Clay Thompson likes Duncan. That's dunking, not Tim Duncan. And a lot more little stories coming at you. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome in to Locked On Warriors. I am your host, Charles T. Hamilton. What's good? Happy Thursday. Happy Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. Dubs and Trailblazers tonight. 6 p.m. I don't know how I feel. You guys like these 6 p.m. starts? I mean, we're on the West Coast. We're playing the Trailblazers. No re- no real reason to start early, but... Uh, I don't know. It's tougher to get to Oracle at 6 p.m. You know, that's why games usually start at 7.30. Uh, You know, maybe no one cares. And maybe I'm just ranting on something that no one cares about. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about these 6 p.m. starts. But either way, they're not going to change it because uh, one gas bag doesn't like it. Dub's taking on Blazers, 6 p.m. tonight. I just wanted to do a quick breakdown of the game because what we saw in game one can't continue. And what I mean is the pick and roll coverage that they ran on Steph. I mean there's definitely other things as well, but the bottom line is you can't you just can't play it like that. You can't have your guy sitting in the restricted area uh while Steph is running a pick and roll thirty feet away from the basket and then getting wide open looks from three. So I I guarantee we'll see some adjustments, whether they send traps, which again isn't a good thing, but then you're kind of taking the lesser of two evils, because you send the trap, you blitz him. What happens? He dumps it off to Draymond, and then Draymond is either driving to an alley oop to you know Iguodala or Looney or whoever, or kicking it out to Clay or Iguodala. However, however they run it, it just you know you got a four on three basically when you send a trap to Steph that far away from the basket, and you have Draymond making the decision, who usually makes the right one. And on top of that, they don't really have the players to do that. Uh, you know, Canter, you might you might run him out there, but he might take out his own man. He's he's kind of a a he's a skilled big man, but he's kind of clumsy out in the open open floor, out in space. Zach Collins can't handle it. Or do you just switch straight up? That's the other thing; they can't really handle that either. So one thing you might see from the Blazers is them going small where you have a guy like Harkless or Aminu playing the five, I doubt they'll start that way, but it's something you might see. It kind of gives me the same feeling as the the Rocket series where Capella was not playing good, but they knew that they weren't going to win without him. If they went small the entire game, it didn't matter. They weren't going to win. They needed their big to have a good game. And I think they kind of feel that way about Cantor up in Portland right now is the bottom line is they need him to be out there doing what he does, getting rebounds. He still had 16 rebounds uh, in in Game 1 and still did pretty well for for him. But defensively, Warriors are going to continue to attack him. I don't know if they'll limit his minutes or what. Uh, There was an article today that Terry Stotts is, you know, they're going to make adjustments, they're going to make changes. It'll be interesting to see what those are. And we might be overstating the pick-and-roll coverage a little bit because... The other part of it was Clay Thompson just running C.J. McCollum or Dame or whoever was covering him, running him ragged. We saw a little, somewhat vintage Warriors performance, vintage Clay, where he's—it's like he's running laps in the half court, basically just trying to get open, and it worked. He was getting open, running off screens, running the baseline, running back and forth, and C.J. Dame. Harkless, whoever they put on him, just was not able to keep up. So I don't know how they're going to stop that either. There there were a lot of things. A lot of things. Uh, Maybe, I mean, who brought it up? I think Evan Turner might have mentioned, you know, the fact that they came off Game 7 and blah, 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 and they had to fly straight here and all that. So maybe they were a little tired, a little heavy legs, whatever. The bottom line is you still had to play the Warriors. You're still going to have to play them again. And I don't know. Do they try and put length on Steph? where a guy like Harkless, who did spend some time on Steph in Game 1, and uh, he did make some plays. Harkless, you know, he's a solid player. Or Aminu, do you do you try and go length on Steph? I don't know if that would really make that much of a difference. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm interested to see what the Trailblazers will do differently to try and slow Steph down, slow Clay down. But the problem is, you, if you slow them down, you're usually committing more than one person to them, which then opens things up for guys like Andre, guys like Draymond. I mean, that's the thing. Andre only took three shots in game, uh, in game one because he didn't need to take any more. Because Steph had enough space on his own. The reason Andre went five of eight from three, or at least shot eight threes, not that he made five of them, but the reason why he shot eight threes in game six is because they were sending so many people at Steph. Steph has that, that gravitational pull. He's got gravity. They were sending so many people at him that Andre was getting open looks. They're, they're trapping Steph. He kicks it to Draymond. Draymond kicks it to Andre. You know, just that simple. So it'll be interesting to see if they try and employ a tactic like that, but I, I don't know. It, it's also the the defense that they've run all year, where they are trying to force you into mid-range shots but Steph smart enough to see what they were doing that they're dropping their big back into the into the paint on pick and roll. He said, "Okay, well let's just start our picks a little bit higher, run that that high uh, high pick and roll." So as soon as I clear the clear the screen, clear the pick, I can still knock down a three. I'm not inside the three point line. Where if you run your your pick and roll at the three point line, you'll probably be inside it anyways. Steph's a smart player. He saw it. He knew what he was doing, and took advantage. But like I said, it's what the Blazers have done all year. They've had. a a pretty good amount of success with it. I mean, what seed were they? Were they the three, I think? So, you know, you make adjustments, but you don't change who you are in the playoffs. And so I'm interested to see what adjustments they do make. And I wonder if it'll have anything to do with personnel. I kind of doubt it because, again, it's who they are. They have a lot of guys. They have three different seven-foot centers. Four, if Nurkic was healthy, uh, they've got a lot of big wings who are average to above average defenders and not great three-point shooters. It really just all hinges on, on Dame and CJ making shots, having big games. And it's funny because Dame and CJ are both regarded as great. I mean, they are great players, great scorers, all that, but they're looked at as great three-point shooters. Neither of them shot 40%. I don't think either of them shot uh, 38% from three this year. And, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're bad, but it's just a major difference between a guy like Steph, who can shoot, you know, 44% for an entire season, to guys like Damon, CJ, who, again, are good and above average, but still nowhere near the level that Steph is. So... It all hinges on those guys. It hinges on Dame and CJ, no doubt, and them playing well. Like they have to outplay Steph and Clay is the main part. I don't know if they Well look, they can't do it. They can't do it for four games, I don't think. It would be a major upset if they did. But it'll be interesting to see what they do, what changes they make to try and get themselves right in. Game 2. Going to take a quick break, come back, give you the KD update. A couple other little pieces of news also. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. I am your host, Charles T. Hamilton. What's good? Dubs. Taking on Trailblazers, game two, Western Conference Finals. You know what it is. Just finished doing a, a little preview. Just a little preview of uh game two. Again, it's mostly just about the backcourts. And uh and who can who can have a better game? Clay and Steph won the first one, no doubt. And that's not to belittle anyone else on the floor and what their impact is. Don't get me wrong. Draymond played great. The bench played very well. Uh I'm just saying basically Portland's not going to be winning any games that Dame and CJ don't outperform Stephen Clay. Where the Warriors might they they might. But it's pretty much the same. Like I think uh, the backcourts have to outperform each other to be able to win. Is basically what I'm getting at. Quick update on Kevin Durant and his injury as we all know he will be uh reevaluated today to just see what the progress on his injury is, how far away he is, etc. But even before that, pretty sure that Kevin Durant is going to be out for Game 2 of this series. And that's coming from a report from Chris Haynes of Yahoo! And it's to be expected, but it's also partially why, and I've said it before, that that game one win was so important, and every win they can get without him is so important. Especially because the Warriors have the ability to sweep the Trailblazers. They do. It's it's just a bad matchup for Portland. It really is. Um, shouldn't be a knock on their season at all or anything like that if it happens. But the bottom line is the Warriors are a lot better, and they have the ability to sweep. And they should take that chance very seriously and make sure that it happens. For a number of different reasons. For one, it gives KD as much time as he needs to rest and uh, rehab and heal, etc., get better. Basically, same thing with DeMarcus Cousins. But on top of that, I honestly think the Eastern Conference Finals are, is going to go seven. I think those two teams are incredibly evenly matched, and it's going to be a dogfight, and I think that goes seven. So if the Warriors can wrap this thing up in four, that would give them about an extra week of rest and rehab, rest for the guys like Steph. Well, you know, he needs to rehab his finger. Maybe his ankle even still. Same thing with Clay. But it would just give them, give the injured players like KD and Cousins as much time as they need to get right, and would give the rest of the guys who have been playing time to rest and recharge, recharge their batteries, so to speak. So that's why getting these wins is so important. And getting four in a row would be pretty important too. And it's no disrespect to the Trailblazers. It's just it's just a fact. And it's also no disrespect. I mean, I, I said they'd beat Houston in five. I'm very high on this Warriors team. So we'll see. But also, I mean, the Warriors, the Trailblazers have the ability to make it a longer series, and the Warriors have the ability to allow them to, as we've seen. The Warriors can lose focus at times. They still had a ton of turnovers in game one. A lot of mindless ones. They still took some bad shots. There were still fouls and tons of free throws and things like that. So there's still stuff they need to clean up. Because if they don't, then the Trailblazers could make this a longer series than it needs to be. But that's the KD update. No real update on Boogie. I think we will get one today. Uh, Just another... I wouldn't be surprised if they say he's progressing and we're going to reevaluate in a week for DeMarcus Cousins. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Jordan Bell was asked about his time with the Warriors and what has been a pretty rough second season, I'd say, for the the second-year man out of Oregon. But even with that, he's where he wants to be. And the reason I bring this up is obviously because of the whole Pat McCaw situation that happened, where for some reason the... Third year player decided he'd like to make less money and play less for a different, worse team than the Warriors. And on top of that, with how his second season has gone, do the Warriors want him back? I would say yes. Still an asset that they paid for, still an asset they're trying to develop. And worse comes to worse, you can try and move him if you need to. But on top of all that, he's gotten opportunities in the last two games and he's looked good in the last two games. He's a little less. Nervous with the ball in his hand, there was a play where Zach Collins, he got the ball uh, right around the free throw line. Zach Collins sags all the way off to the rim, trying to bait him into taking a mid range. He knows that Clay is cutting across the court and going to be cutting off these screens, and that he's going to have Clay to drop it to. And if he can just hang on to the ball for three seconds, and that's exactly what he does. Kicks it to Clay, wide open three, bang. Defensively, he still has his problems. He, he jumps at pump fakes all the time and stuff like that and the stuff behind the scenes where he's uh, unprepared at times and and other things that, you know, he'll obviously have to work on, get better at. But the bottom line is he's playing and he's playing well. He wants to be with the Warriors. Uh, This is from Marcus Thompson. He wants to remain with the Warriors. He wants to re-sign this offseason and continue growing with this franchise, continue learning from these Hall of Famers. Bell said he doesn't want to go to a lesser team so he can get more minutes. He knows what he has right here. Well, that's great to hear. Too bad Pat McCaw had no idea what he had in front of him. I, I'm sorry. I can't stop ripping Pat McCaw, who was away from Toronto tonight uh, in game one for personal reasons. Hopefully it's nothing too bad. But at the same time, I will continue to jab Pat McCaw whenever it comes to contract decision and the decision that he made. But Jordan Bell obviously wants to make a different decision and stay with the Warriors, which is good to hear because of the way this year has gone. I thought, again, we don't know what the feelings are on the Warriors' side. I do think they will keep him around because he's playing well, because of the asset, etc. But you didn't know how Jordan Bell felt about it. You know How did he take the fact that his minutes have gone down, that he was in the doghouse for most of the year, that they suspended him without pay for a, a prank gone wrong? But apparently, the way he feels, he wants to be a Warrior, and I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think he's a good enough player that you keep him around. And I think the Warriors will. One last fun thing I want to get to. Clay Thompson likes dunking. Dunks make him happy. And they should, man. If I could dunk, you know, as a kid, like I've played every sport imaginable growing up. I'm sure a lot of you did too. And like, you know, I've hit a home run. I've gotten a sack, scored touchdowns, all all that fun stuff, scored goals, whatever. So you get a sense of what that feels like. You know what I mean? Never will I ever know what it feels like to dunk on someone or just in a fast break or anything. You know, I'm sure some of you out there can, and you know, I hate you for it. Uh, but it's <laughs> just kidding. All love. But, anyways, Clay likes dunking. He was on uh, Sports Center with SVP. Is that what it's called? SVP Sports Center. Uh, great show. SVP, one of the all time greats to sit behind a Sports Center desk. Um, but he was with Scott after game one. And Scott asked him about, because I've noticed it too, and I'm sure you all have also, when Clay gets a dunk, he kind of cups the ball and brings it back a little bit before he jumps, almost as if it's like a pass fake. And Scott asked him about that, and Clay kind of, you know, I'm not even going to paraphrase. Here's what Clay had to say uh, on the question. Oh, you man, know what you're Scott, about? I don't know. It, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's kind of like a momentum thing, like kind of bringing yourself to the rim. And I'm not the biggest leaper, so I need as much momentum as I can possibly get. Right. And uh, I just get so happy when I get a dunk, man. It's a rare <laughs> occurrence. But tonight I got one. I looked up my family, and I was pumped. And uh, yeah. hopefully I can have more, more attempts like that throughout the series because those really make me happy. Oh, I understand. I mean, because, look, as Steph knows, man, if you get if, you, if the rim gets you on a dunk, like, the Internet never forgets, right? So you cannot no, ever... Oh, will never forget. No. That's the new age NBA. The Internet will never forget. It's undefeated, but... Whatever. That's why we get paid what we do, because we like to get, you know, memed on the Internet or made fun of. It's part of the game. You just got to embrace show it. Whatever. Show them the jewelry, man. It's all fine. Hey, thanks. As <laughs> always, thank you for sitting down. I appreciate you. We'll talk again, all right? All right. Thanks, Scott. You got it. That's Clay Thompson. So there's Clay. Dunks make him happy. And you know what? Clay dunks make me happy. So it all works out. You know what I mean? Uh, he's the best. <laughs> he cracks me up all the time. I thank everyone else too. Gonna take one more break, come back. I wanna go over the draft lottery results real quick uh, because they were pretty interesting. And this might actually be an effective deterrent to tanking. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's coming up next. Here on Locked On Warriors, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. I wanted to go over the draft lottery results because I thought it was pretty interesting that it pretty much worked out, you know, in the sense that They want it to be a deterrent to tanking. They changed the percentages as far as who has a chance to get the number one pick. I think it's down from 25% for the worst team to 14% for the worst three teams now. Something along those lines. And it worked. It worked because the New Orleans Pelicans got the number one pick, which Alvin Gentry celebrated wildly. Dropped an F-bomb for everyone to hear. And uh, as an Alvin Gentry fan, I I appreciate it. I love it. And Memphis got the number two pick. The Lakers are at uh, three or four. I think Knicks are at three. Lakers are at four. And so I love it because it's the Lakers. And, you know, people thought they might get the number one pick. Get the hell out of here. They get four in a draft that basically has two top players and then a lot of question marks after that. The Cavs got five, Suns got six, Bulls at seven, Hawks eight, Wizards nine, and then Hawks at ten again. Uh, so, you know, it for teams that are just bad, like Phoenix was just bad. I feel bad that they, you know, ended up falling to the sixth pick. But for the teams that deliberately tanked and didn't get the picks they wanted, like the Knicks, by the way, didn't get the top pick, which, by the way, it it, it rarely ever worked out, or not rarely, but it didn't work out that the worst team always got the number one pick. Like, it wasn't a sure thing. Uh, but I'm glad that they didn't. Man, the teams that tanked, the Cavs, got five. So, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I think the outcome's good. I do think we'll see less tanking than before. And I got to tell you, I'm a draft nerd. I love the draft, and uh, there's going to be some good, good locked-on warriors about the draft coming up. I want to get into it right now, but not yet. We're still in the Western Conference Finals, and uh, we still got a lot of work to do. Last thing, the Bucks beat the Raptors last night, 108 to 100. And the Raptors played a hell of a game coming off of Game 7 against Philly. Uh, one day off where the Bucks had been off for a week. The Raptors had the lead up until late, and then Milwaukee started going off. Brooke Lopez started hitting threes, and uh, they were able to wrap it up. I still think this thing goes 7. Um, would, would have been nice for the Raptors to steal one at Milwaukee. They still have a chance to do it uh, tomorrow, but, man, they really had a chance to do it Uh, last night, and we're not able to do so, but I do think this one goes seven, which is also why it's so important for the Warriors to wrap up the Blazers ASAP. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You can't climb a mountain if it's smooth. Right? You gotta go over the rough spots. (laughs) Peace. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.